Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Pastor Gary has a word for us today. Before he comes, I want to let you know that we have both of, of Pastor Gary's books available today. I know a lot of you have them already. If you haven't gotten them, pick one up today. Um, one is uh, just talking about breaking the religious spirit. Amen. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God. And uh, the other one is uh, a dream manual that many of you are very familiar with. Those of you that, um, that don't know yet, if you have, anybody have like a lot of weird dreams, you have some crazy dreams, now you could just email them to dreams at sanctuaryfellowship.org. You'll get them interpreted and sent right back to you, and, and you'll see what God has been, ta- God's been telling you, amen? We've had some incredible testimonies in our dreams. For me? Thank you. Oh, not for me. Oh, Okay. Like, not for you. <laughs> so please welcome Pastor Gary. Amen. And if Willie back there says anything about the Mets, throw him out because we're all Yankee fans here. No? So if you could turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Down to verse 7. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God. And I ask, Lord God, that your word would go forth with power and anointing, O God, that you would change our hearts, Lord God, change our lives, O God. I pray, Lord God, that we would leave here different, Lord God, transform, Lord God. 
So we thank you today, oh God. We thank you for your presence here, Lord God. We thank you for your glory, oh God. We desire you, Lord God. We're hungry for you, Lord God. So I ask that you would fill us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to talk more about the scriptures I just read. But those scriptures, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, was later quoted by Jesus because that was the ministry of Jesus to bring restoration, to, to restore those who have been broken, to take broken lives and bring healing. And what I want to do today is, is to speak out part two of the sermon that Pastor George spoke last week. Last Sunday, Pastor George was telling us about artwork when he went to the museum. And, and, and he explained to us that in order to understand a picture, you can't just look at one detail, but you got to look at the whole picture. And it's that it's the same thing with your life. That, that you'll be confused if you just see one detail of your life. But in order to understand what God's doing, you have to look at the big picture. But the thing is, I'm not much of an art connoisseur, you know, like Pastor George. But, but what I was thinking, to, to apply this in a different way, to apply it in the area of movies, that's something we're all familiar with, right? Not, it, it might be hard to drag you into the Museum of Modern Art, but it wouldn't be hard to get you into the movies, right? Well, and, and what the Lord showed me, that the same principle works with movies. That if you just look at one scene of a movie, you're not going to understand what's going on. You're not going to see the whole picture, and it's the same thing with your life. If you just look at the things that you're going through right now, if you just look at your circumstances right now at the moment, you're just seeing one scene but you're, you're missing all that God desires to do in you. And just as an illustration, we're going we're to show you a video clip right now. So are we ready? So I always wanted to say this. Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> All right, man, listen. I'm Gary. You're Julius. Let's get some particulars and just get this over with, all right? Particulars? Yeah. No matter what I tell you, you ain't gonna never know nothing about hey, me. Hey, listen. I ain't running any more of these three days, okay? Well, what I got to say, you really don't want to hear, because honesty ain't too high up on your people priority list, right? Honesty? You want honesty? All right, honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Not even Doc or Boone. Shiver push on the line every time, man. You blow right past them. Push them, pull them, do something. You can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates hanging out to dry. Me in particular. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anybody else out there? You want to talk about a waste? You the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job? I have a You've job. You been doing your job? I've been doing my job. Then why don't you tell your white buddies to block for Rev better? Because they have not blocked for him worth a plug nickel, and you know it. Nobody plays, yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No, no, what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna look out for myself, and I'm gonna get mine. See, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. 
Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Cut. I always wanted to say that too. But this was a scene from a movie called, I think, Return of the Titans. Huh? Oh, remember the Titans. Well, I guess I'm not much of a movie connoisseur either. But I did see the movie. And what the movie was about was a, a college in the Deep South where there's total separation between black and white players, and all of a sudden there was a black coach, and they begin to intermingle black and white players, and we just saw one scene from that movie, and if all you saw was one scene, you would say that that experiment was a failure. That if you just look at what we just saw and you didn't stay to watch the rest of the movie, you would say, well, this can't happen, it's impossible. But if you would stay and see the end of the movie, you would see that those two people that were bullying and angry at each other became best friends. That at, by the end of the movie, they would have been willing to die for each other. And by the end of the movie, we had a fully integrated team with black and white players standing together in unity. But you miss it if you just see one scene, and it's the same thing with your life. A lot of you might be struggling today. You're going through hard times. And what happens is that your eyes begin to get cloudy and you, you, you don't see what's ahead. You don't see the whole picture. You don't see the whole movie of your life. And you start to get stuck in one place. Last week, Pastor George also um, read scriptures about a woman in the Bible named Hagar. And, and the scriptures, and in the scriptures that he read, Hagar was out on her own. She was pregnant and she was thrown out of the house. And she had nowhere to go. And she was walking in the middle of the wilderness. And God met with her and told her, no, go back to the home. Well, let's turn and see what happens to her in Genesis 21. That was scene one. Pastor George gave us scene one last week where Hagar was out with nothing, but she had an encounter with God, and God said, no, go back to the home again. Well, let's see what happens in scene two. That's Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She was, and effectively, she had become now a single parent. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And she sat there nearby. She began to sob. It doesn't paint a very good scene, right, if this was a movie. She was out on her own, thrown out of her house, all alone with a young son with no money, no food. Some of you have been there. We have some single parents in this church, and you've been there out on your own, and everything looked hopeless, and she sat down and said, I'm just going to sit here and wait to die. 
But let's see what happened. Verse 17, it says, God heard the boy crying. That's one of the most exciting verses in the whole Bible. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Or in other words, this was not the end of the story. It was not the end of the movie. But in looking through the vision that she had, the vision of sorrow and hopelessness, through the vision of loneliness, she looked around and all she saw was death. In her eyes, this was the end. But you know what the Bible says? God opened her eyes and gave her vision and showed her a well and showed her provision and gave her food to eat. And gave her a hope and a promise. And, her, and God said, I will make your son into a great nation. And he grew up and he got married and he had a family and he became an archer. And he became the father of a great nation. Because about 4,000 years later, the children of Ishmael are still in the news. Those are the Arabs. He became the father of the Arab nations, a multitude, millions and millions of people. And even if you look at that scene now with the Arab nations, they say, those are the guys that blow up the buildings. Those are the guys who are lost, who kill Christians. It's still not the end of the story for Ishmael and his descendants because the Bible says that one day all the Arabs are going to come to know the Lord and they're going to go up to Israel to the mountain of the Lord and bring sacrifices and worship him. See, you've got to look at the end of the story. You've got to look at the last scene. I've seen too many Christians who fall away. They walk away from the Lord. They lose a place of victory because they can't see anymore. All you can see is what's going on now. All you can see is the failure. All you can see is the lack of what you have in your life. But if you look to the Lord, God will open up your eyes. Because the Bible said that God heard the boy crying. See, God hears you when you cry. God knows when you're sitting in your room in the middle of the night and it looks like everything's over, everything's helpless. But what does it say? God hears you when you cry. You're not alone. If you're a child of God, you're not alone. But what happens is that, that you, you've lost your vision. So many of us, there are times in my life where I, I could... I, I once gave this testimony here, but there was a time in my life that everything got so totally horrible that I was walking down the street and I just stopped. And I said, I'm not taking another step. I'm not going any further. I'm done with. Everything is falling apart. I, I looked 
through the eyes of, of lack, through the eyes of not seeing things happen, through the eyes of trouble, and I couldn't see anything good ahead, and I said, this is it, I'm all done for, I'm not moving, and I just stood right in the middle of the street. And the only reason I took the next step is because my daughter at that time was about six years old, and she took my hand and pulled me to the next step, said, come on, we got to go. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. When you can't go anymore, when you feel stuck, when it looks like nothing good is going to happen, when it seems like it's all over for you, God will pull you to the next step. But you got to be open. You got to be willing. You got to be willing to see what's ahead, to see the blessings ahead. In that film clip we saw, they could afford. Those two football players, they could have got into a fight, hated each other, quit the team, and that would have been the end of it. But they endured, they waited until they stepped into the place of blessing, to the place of victory. I want you to turn to the book of Job, chapter 3. See, the Bible has real stories. It's better than the soap operas. Job chapter 3, this is, many of you have heard of Job in the Bible. He lost everything. When I say everything, he lost everything. He, all of a sudden, all these messengers started coming to him and saying, you lost your family. You lost all your money. Your house just fell over. One thing after another, then he got sick. He was so sick that he didn't know how to get rid of the pain, so he just took a sharp object and scraped his skin to help himself feel better and put ashes and dust over himself to try to take away the pain and the itching. And while he was sitting there, he had these friends, and you know what his friends were doing? They were saying, Job, it's all your fault. You ever have friends like that? Tell you, you made your bed, you lie in it, this is all your fault, you're no good. And that was the circumstance that he found himself in. Now, in Job chapter 3, verse 23, this, these are the words of Job. Why is life given to those with no future, those God has surrounded with difficulties? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always fear, feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. And he was saying, God, why was I even born? And then there was another verse where he says, I cursed the day that I was born. He was going through such difficulties and hard times that he began to curse his own life. And says, God why, God, why do you even create us in this world when all we're going to know is such trouble? Because he was stuck in the moment. See, you've got to get out of the moment and see ahead. You've got to look at your circumstances, not through your natural eyes, but through the heart of God. And the heart of God is always to bless, always to restore, always to bring joy, always to bring people together. But I want to show you later in Job chapter 42, verse 10. 
It says, after Job had interceded for his friends, God restored his fortune and then doubled it. All his brothers and sisters and friends came to his house and celebrated. They told him how sorry they were and consoled him for all the trouble God had brought him. Each of them brought generous housewarming gifts. God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier life. He ended up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. Now, that might not be impressive to hear in the Bronx, but imagine getting like 30 Rolls Royces, 400 houses. That's the equivalent. From nothing. He had nothing. He said, God, I wish I was dead. I wish it was all over. I wish I was never born. I can't take it anymore. But you know what happened at the end of, of the book of Job? God came and confronted him, and he had an encounter with God. And he said, now I've seen God. Now my vision is clear. Now I can see the blessings ahead. And that's what it's all about. It's not looking at your circumstances. It's not looking at what you don't have. Because God's heart is to bless you. Can you look into the heart of God? See, many of us have heard a wrong picture about the heart of God. Many of us have been taught that God is angry. And that, that he stands up, that he's sitting in heaven waiting for you to mess up so that he could wound you. So that he could say, see, I told you so. See, you deserve it. I got an email from someone not long ago and says, I know that the reason I'm going through all these problems in my life is because God is angry at me. God is not angry at you. That's not his heart. You need to get a new picture of the heart of God, the love and the passion that he has for you and the desire that he has to bless you just what he, like he did with Job. Job had nothing. when I, Absolutely everything was taken away, just like those hurricane victims that you might have seen in Kansas two weeks ago. They lost everything, their houses, their jobs, their money, everything they ever owned. Well, that's what happened to Job. And if you just look at that one scene where he's sitting there in the dust and and taking sharp things and scraping his skin and saying, God, I cursed the day I was born. Why did you ever even make me? If you look at that scene, you would say, wow, God is an angry God. If that's the way God is, then I'm never going to get anywhere. That's why you need to look at the end of the story. To go to the end of the book of Job and see that he had twice as much as he ever had. God restored double of everything that he lost. And that's God's heart for you. God, the Bible says God is not a respecter of certain people. It's not that God says, well, here's a real mighty man of God. I'm going to bless him. That's God's heart for you. If you're sitting here, you hear my voice. God's heart is to restore everything in your life that's gotten messed up. Even if you're the one that messed it up. Most of the things in my life that have been messed up, I could say came from my own choices. 
I'm not saying everything. There's attacks by the devil. There's all kinds of things happen. But most of the problems that I've had in my life came from my own bad choices. But God is so loving and merciful that he stepped into my life. And he restores every single thing that's been broken. And I could stand here today and say, God's been good to me. Coming through abuse. Coming through all kinds of circumstances where I said, it's all over. I'm not going on anymore. I'm not taking another step. Nothing good is ever going to happen. Times when I've been filled with shame, ashamed of who I am. Thinking no one's ever going to accept me. And if I just would have left it at that and stayed in that scene and stayed in that place or the movie of my life, I wouldn't be standing here right now. But I can declare victory. I can, in my own life, I can declare victory and say that God's been good and he's still good. God's, I was listening to some crazy southern country Christian song this week called God ain't never done me nothing but good and that's my testimony God is a good God let me tell you one more story from the Bible Genesis chapter 37 the story of Joseph let me look at some of the things that happened to Joseph in the book of Genesis a mighty man of God you don't have to turn to it. Genesis 37, 25. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. How would you like to be sold into slavery by your own family? Genesis 39. He was falsely accused of rape. And then he was put into prison for 12 years for something that he didn't even do. Now, if you read the Bible and you... You, that's all that you get if that's as far as you go in the movie say I don't like this movie it's too depressing I'm turning it off you're going to have a wrong picture because in Genesis 41 verse 41 it says so Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt commissioned Joseph I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt then Pharaoh removed his signet ring, which was the ring that gave authority from his finger, and slipped it on Joseph's. He took him from prison, and he became second in command of all Egypt. Because that was God's desire, that was God's heart for him. And God wants to do the same thing for you. I want to go back to Isaiah 61 which is the ministry of Jesus. If you want to know right now what God's heart is for you, what his plan is for your life, what his desire to see in you, just listen again. I read these in the beginning, but I just want to go over a few of them again. And again, these were fulfilled in Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus proclaimed these same scriptures in the synagogue and said, this is my ministry. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Any poor here today? Anyone lacking in finances today? Anyone saying, I can't even pay my bills? There's good news for you today. 
Because God loves you and he can do all things. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Maybe in the scene of your life right now, you feel like you're in a prison with no way out. You feel like I, there's nothing I can do. I'm stuck in this situation and there's nobody to help me. Well, Jesus came to bring freedom to your life. If you feel like a captive, if you feel like you're in jail right now, if you feel stuck in your circumstances, then just allow Jesus to come. Don't give up. Wait till the end of the movie. You're, you're just in that scene. Every movie got that scene. I, I don't think even I've ever seen even a cartoon where they didn't come to a place where everything looked hopeless and everybody was stuck. But then wait till you get to the end of the cartoon and everybody's happy. Well, that's what God wants to do in your life. His ministry is to bring freedom from your circumstances. There's nothing that you're going through right now that God isn't greater. You could tell me any testimony, and, and I'll give you a hundred testimonies of people who went through the exact same thing and then one day stood up in a church and testified, I had nothing and God provided. I, I thought I was going to die and God healed my body. God is greater than your circumstances. Verse 2, it says that God wants to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. If, if you're walking in sadness today, if you've got a heavy heart, if you're grieving today, God has a place of joy for you. In verse 3, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If you're, if you're walking in depression and sadness, God has the oil of joy for you. If you're in despair, if you feel hopeless, God wants to put on a garment of praise in your life. He wants to crown you with beauty instead of ashes. Ashes in the Bible is symbolic of very difficult circumstances and sorrow. You're going through a hard time. But God wants to take the crown of beauty and place it on your head. Because God has a beautiful plan for you. God has a beautiful purpose for you. He's not going to leave you where you are right now. He did not leave me where I've been many, many times in my life. And there were times I thought that he would. There were times when I'd stay up all night trying to figure out how is this thing ever going to work out. But in every time, there hasn't been one circumstance in my life that God hasn't come through. Verse, I want to go down to verse 4. They will be, and this, this is the key of what I'm speaking about today. They will rebuild the ancient ruins 
and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And maybe you've made a mess of your life. You might be 17, 18, and already made a mess of your life. But God says, I'm here to restore. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to, to take a big hammer and slam you with it. He's not here to end your life, take away your happiness because you messed up. But it says right here that the ministry of Jesus is to bring restoration to those who have walked into hopeless situations, those whose lives have been ruined, those who have gone through devastation. Do you hear God's blessing? That this is what he has in his mind for you when he looks at you. This is, this is what's on God's heart right now when, when he looks down at your life. And you say, God will never bless me. I'm just a sinner. I've messed up. But God is faithful. I'm going to ask Melissa to come up right now. I want you to hear about the faithfulness of God. As she sings this song, just apply it to your life right now. In my moments of fear, through every pain, every tear, God, who's been faithful to me. When my strength was all gone, and when my heart had no song, still my God, he was faithful to me. Every time He was waiting with open arms, and I'd see once again, he's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy I see, though heart I have questioned even failed to believe yet he's been faithful faithful to me when my heart looked away the many times I could not pray still my God, he was faithful to me. The days I spent so selfishly, reaching out for what pleased me, even then, my God was faithful to me. Every time I turn back, to him, he is waiting with open arms, 
and I see once again. If you know this, can you sing it with me? He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, his love and mercy I see. Though in my heart I have questioned, even failed to believe that he's been faithful, faithful to me. He's been so faithful, Father, we just thank you, for you are a faithful God. We thank you, Lord God, because we have sinned, oh God. We have messed up our lives, oh God. We have failed. We made bad choices. You told us go south, and we've gone north, Lord God. But I thank you, God, that you are a God of restoration, that you are a God of healing, that you take the broken things of our lives, that you take the ashes of our lives, you take the messes that we've made, Lord God, and you turn it around and you create something beautiful in us, oh God. We are amazed, oh God, at your mercy, at your forgiveness. We are amazed at how much you love us, oh God. And we just bless you today. As I was reading before the story about Hagar, who was a single parent, who, who was walking in the wilderness all alone. And this past Wednesday, Mark Sims at the prayer meeting, he had a burden on his heart for the single parents. So if, if we have any single parents here right now, I'd just like ask you to stand so we could pray for you. Or a single grandparent that you have children you're responsible for. I'm going to ask you to come up right now. We're not going to ask you to say anything. We just want to bless you. And there are some messages we have for you right now from the heart of God. So, Torian, if you could come. And also Norma and Sandy. They're not going to preach at you. They, they ask God what his heart is for your life, and they're going to speak to you. Okay, um... Um, I just feel this is what God's heart is for you and what he told me when I, I asked him. He said, he sees the ups and, the, and downs. He sees when you feel overwhelmed, like you cannot take anymore, like you cannot go anymore, like you cannot go on anymore, and yet you go on. He sees when the steps are too heavy, when your feet seem like lead, yet you take the steps. He is there when you lie awake at night wondering, am I doing it right? Wondering what, will become of, wondering what will become of my child. He is there in the hope you feel strongly at times and weak at times. He is there letting you know it's going to be all right. His, his words for you are, can a mother forget her children? Though she, she may forget, he will not forget you. He has seen your labor, he has heard your cries. He sees when you cry that your children won't listen. When you wished for their father, their mother, a father or mother, 
He sees your tears. He's watching over you. When you feel you can't go on, he's the strength that makes you go another day. He will remain the strength that, take, that makes you take another step. He sees when your children make it hard for you. He feels your pain. He knows the pain. He knows the hurt of a prodigal's father. He is your, he is your provision. He is your absent spouse. He sees the joys of success. He sees the joys when a prodigal comes back. He sees your plight. He is there with you. In your joy, in your sorrow, he is there. He is your strength and he will, make, he will take you through. When you feel alone, he says, you are not alone. Um, when Gary asked me to get a picture for the single parents, um, I saw a rough, windy mountain, and on the other side, it's just a straight, smooth coming down. And it was a rainbow at the end, but not a rainbow of colors, but just a rainbow of white with gold, and plenty of confetti coming down, and the confetti was not confetti, it was manya, which the people of Israel call bread. There's plenty of feedings and there's plenty of providing for you. The Lord will not turn his back. Once being a single parent and seeing my beginning and seeing my end now, you got to keep up the faith because the Lord will provide and be there for you always. And you will come out on top. The picture that I saw was... Um, my old apartment when Jasmine was a baby when she was about six, up until the age of six years old I moved into that apartment when she five days before she was born and I saw myself but I, I believe I was standing in the gap for all the single parents and I'm opening up cabinets and they're full and I'm opening up the refrigerator and it's full and I'm praising the Lord and, and thanking him for his provision for as you seek the Lord you will not you will not endure lack. You will have what you need in the name of Jesus. He's going to provide for you everything that you need. If you seek him, if you always put him first, he will always supply to your needs according to his riches and glory. God bless you. Amen. So if you, if you could just stay up here, they're going to minister to you. They're going to pray for you. If there's anyone else here and you're saying that I'm ready to see the next scene in my life go forward, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat right now and stand up. If you're saying, I need, I need to get to the next place in my life. If, if the worship team can come back. If you're saying, I'm going through a difficult time right now, but I'm believing God for new things in my life. I'm waiting for the new scene to happen. I'm waiting to travel on, that it's not all over for me. I'm not going to stay here, but I'm moving on in God. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and come forward. And those from the ministry team are going to come and pray for you. So those who have badges on, ministry team badges, I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray. Or if you're a church leader... If you can come forward and we want to begin to minister life, we want to prophesy life into the people of God. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, 
and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.